Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. join me, if you will, in the book of Genesis, and we're going to go to chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, read a few verses here, just a couple of verses, and I'm going to go to Genesis 2 and read one verse there as my text. The Bible says in Genesis 1, 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And then in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7, the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And so with the help of the Lord, I want to just speak tonight about the breath of God. Amen. I'm so thankful for his presence that we felt here tonight. That's what has illuminated the words of the song. That's what has encouraged and undergirded the words of, of admonition that we've heard already for us to magnify and praise the Lord. It's his spirit, and I'm thankful for his spirit and God bless you. And you can be seated. In this all-familiar passage, we find that place in time, that intersection where God created man. We know him as Adam. And then we read further in the book of Genesis, and we see where the Lord saw that it was not good for man to be alone. And so he created a helpmeet for him. In Genesis 2 and 21 goes into just a little detail, really in the full scheme of things, very little detail about this process. The Bible just says that he caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam, and then he took from his side a rib, and from that rib God formed woman, and Adam named her Eve. And uh, that creative process seems uh, pretty simple when you read about it in Scripture. It just takes a second or so. Just to read across a deep sleep come upon Adam and God took from his side a rib and from that rib created the woman. And then the book says that the man was formed from the dust of the ground and that the woman was made from man's side. This seems a little bit mechanical if we just look at it in a literal sense. Yet the psalmist David says something about this creation process and about the end result in Psalms 139 and 14. And we have read this, quoted, and referred to this countless, countless times through the years, all of us. David said, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Marvelous are thy works, and, and that my soul knoweth right well. And that my soul knoweth right well. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I believe this was far more than just a vague assumption on the part of, of King David because the human body truly is amazing. It really is amazing. It baffles us to read about the complexity of just mortal man and all that goes into the body. For instance, the human eye can distinguish some 500 different shades of gray, yet it weighs less than an ounce. There are approximately 10,000 taste buds in the tongue, a kidney, the kidneys filter some 400 gallons of blood every day. The human liver uh, has some 500 demands made upon it or functions every day, and our feet have over a quarter of a million sweat glands, and the list goes on and on and on about the complexity of the body itself. So David was right, fearfully, wonderfully made. Amazing, amazing what God has put into mankind. Yet for all the fascinating things that we could speak of, the human body, the prophet Jeremiah seemed to capsulize or capsulize um, all of man in, in a statement that I believe is worth considering tonight, and that is Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23. Jeremiah said, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. So amid all of the complexities of creation and of all the gifts that God has placed and all of the systems that the Lord has placed within the human body, Jeremiah said, amid all of that, man does not have the capacity to, to direct his own steps. Amen. We need the help of the Lord. Sometimes we think we know what's best. Amen. We all think we know what's best. If the Lord would just, we can kind of see that point A to point B. And if the Lord would just do that, that just seems like it would fix it all and take care of it all. But Jeremiah said it's not in man to direct his steps. We can't, we can't direct our own way and say if the Lord would just do this and so everything would be all right. Solomon said in chapter 14 of Proverbs in verse 12, there is a way that which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There are things that seem logical, and I don't really think it's all that critical uh, at times that uh, are all that wrong at times that we not analyze those things. That's who we are. That's part of who we are and what we are. I just can't depend on the arm of flesh when God doesn't do it my way. I can't get put out with God. And so we can see in Scripture and in life itself that man has long tried to direct our own steps. Adam did it in the garden, and judgment didn't just fall upon him, but it was upon all of those that came after him. And because of that, you and I inherited that sin nature. We were born with that sin nature. And so from the time of Adam until now, we can safely say we can find trace elements everywhere where man has tried to direct his own steps, tried to measure up to God in his own way. But I will tell you tonight that man is no match for sin and man's ways are always going to fall short of God's ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are greater than, that, than us, his ways beyond us. 
And so I want to just walk through a few biblical examples tonight of men who tried to make it their own way and do their own thing. And I'm sure that we could all go around tonight and think of someone in Scripture besides those that I'll mention. But when we think about a man by the name of Samson, Samson tried to do everything with strength in his own flesh. So we can look at Samson and kind of distract, kind of extract ourselves from this scenario and think, well, you know, I'm not Samson and I don't try to do things with brute strength, but I believe that we can find ourselves. Each and every one of us can find a little bit of ourselves in the antics of, of Samson. The Bible says in Judges 13, uh, verses 24 and 25, I'll just refer to them, that, that a woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the Bible says that the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to move on him. The Bible says at times. The spirit of the Lord would just move on him at times. God moved on him and he was blessed. And in those moments that God moved, Samson did tremendous things and benefited often the, the, the kingdom of God or the work of God. Yet in the very next chapter, chapter 13, we read about him being born, the blessings of God being upon him, and the spirit of the Lord moving on him. But in the next chapter, chapter 14, we see where Samson began to try to direct his own path, guide his own life. The Bible says in Judges 14 and 1, and Samson went down to Timnath, and he saw a woman in Timnath, of the daughters of the Philistines. Verse number three, most likely of this same chapter, most likely summarizes this situation best when it says that Samson, while in Timnath, saw a woman, and the Bible says that he said, she pleases me. She pleases me. I underlined that in my notes this evening because that is the spirit of man. I want what fits me. I want what pleases me. And so this one single decision set off a windstorm that Samson could have never anticipated happening in his life. He began to spiral downward away from and out of the will of God. The Bible says that he married this woman, but she was not destined to be his because in the end, I believe it's the last verse of that same chapter, the Bible talks about that she was given to what we might refer to as the best man, his best man. That's who, uh, that's who wound up being her husband. So Samson here is a man that's completely out of control because he's trying to guide his own steps. In Judges 16, verses 1 and 2, we find him with an unknown harlot. Uh, that's all we know about her. We don't know her name or what she may look like. And then in Judges 16, 3 and 4, he began uh, to see uh, again another Philistine woman, and her name was Delilah. That's the name that sticks with us best, Delilah. And it was this woman that would help him reach his demise. It was she who sold him out. She got his heartstrings enough to give him to the, to the enemy. And then one of the saddest scriptures I've mentioned all throughout the years is Judges 16 and 20, that the Bible says of Samson that he knew not that the Spirit of God had departed from him. I've often said if that scripture is not underlined in your Bible, you need to underline it in your Bible because if it can happen to Samson, it could happen to us. And it's from here that we find that God departed and he didn't have knowledge of that. He wist not. Samson came to a terrible end. I, I know when we realize that 
The scripture says that he killed more in his death than he did in his life. It seems victorious, and to a degree it is. But the question that really begs an answer is how much could have Samson accomplished if he had walked in the will of God and in the way of God? Yes, he took out more in the end in his death than he did in his life, but we need to look at the man, the ravaged man he was as he held those two pillars. His eyes poked out. He was nothing more than a common slave. How much more, Samson, could you have accomplished had you just not followed your own passions? He found out that there was not enough power in man to guide his steps. And sadly, I believe that his life came to an unnecessary and perhaps an even premature end. However, Samson would not be the last human to try to work things out within their own power. Solomon, it wasn't through brute strength. It wasn't, it wasn't the ability of Solomon to pick up the gates of a city and take them to yonder hill. Or it wasn't those things that allowed Samson to, uh, Solomon rather, to feel that he could guide his own way. It was going to be for Samson for Solomon, rather, a completely different battlefield. Solomon began his journey with God so, so humbly. After the death of his father, Solomon prayed a very simple and a very humble prayer. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse number 7, I'm going to read or at least kind of summarize verses 7 through 14. It kind of captures this prayer. In verse number 7, Solomon said to the Lord, I am but a little child, and I know not how to go out or to come in. Solomon was saying, here I have found myself. I've been anointed king of Israel, but I am just a child, and I don't even know how to do this, Lord. I don't know how to go out like a king or how to come in like a king. In verse number 9, he said, Therefore, give thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between what's good and what's bad. In verse number 10, the Bible says that the speech or the prayer of Solomon pleased the Lord. And then the Lord answered his prayer. And in verse 11, he said, Because thou hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words, and I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there is none like, like thee before thee, nor after thee shall any arise unto thee. There'll never be another man wiser. There'll never has been, never there ever will be a man wiser. And then God blessed Solomon beyond his initial prayer. He said, I have also given thee that which thou ask not, both riches and honor. And so I'm not just going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you riches and I'm going to give you honor. And then God gave the word that would ensure this trajectory in his life. The Lord said, if thou will walk in my ways and keep my statutes and keep my commandments as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. This will be a perpetual answered prayer in your life if you will just walk after my commandments walk after my statutes I want you to live like your father lived and so here's Solomon the wisest man and the wealthiest man of the entire world in truth we could accurately say that Solomon had it all however in time Solomon began to trust his own judgment 
and his own power. And sadly, we see the demise of his reign and the unraveling of his influence. The Bible said, I'll give you wisdom and I will give you riches and I will give you honor. Those three gifts, but we see the unraveling of the undergirding, the most important things. Maybe he never lost his wealth and maybe he never lost his wisdom, but the honor was quickly, quickly escaping him. We see the demise of all that. And Solomon is credited with writing three books in the Bible. He wrote the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, and of course, the Song of Solomon. In the book of Ecclesiastes, when you read Ecclesiastes, it is a book of reflection. It's, it's Solomon looking at his life in the rearview mirror. It's a bold book with very, very telling statements. Solomon withheld nothing, even about his own life and his own mistakes. In Ecclesiastes 2 and 9, the Bible says, So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works of my hands had wrought and, and the labor that, had labored, that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit and there was no profit under the sun. And I turned myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do that cometh after the king? Even that which hath already been, had been already done. Then I saw that wisdom exceedeth folly as far as light exceedeth darkness, excelleth darkness, excuse me. And the wise man's eyes are in his head. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. And I myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. Then said I in my heart, as it happeneth to the fool, so happeneth unto, to, even to me. And why was I none more wise? And I said in my heart, this also is vanity. Solomon had a waking up moment, a waking up day, a day of reconciliation. He said, just like it happened to the fool, it has happened to me. When he said that, he knows he is looking in the mirror at the wisest man that has ever been or the wisest man that would ever be. But he said, had it happened to the fool, it has happened unto me. He tried to have wisdom to, enough within his own power to figure it all out, to hammer it all out, to make his own way, but it was not to be. No matter who we are, we cannot do this on our own. When I think about God creating man, and then the scriptures talks about the creation of man. Of course, this is after the creation of the, of the world and all that there, there is in. And we see that God has now formed man in the, in the form of dust. And then something critical happened in our text in chapter 2 and verse 7 where the Bible says that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. I believe tonight that no matter what we do within our own power is going to be just that without the spirit and the presence and the unction of God, how desperately we need his spirit upon what we do. I, I've said it many times through the years, and if God will give me breath, I'll continue to say it, that I am thankful for the talent and the abilities that God has placed within the church at large, but also that God has placed within our local church. I'm appreciative of that beyond my ability to even express it 
adequately. But I would say tonight that no matter how talented or gifted we are, it's just going to be a form of dust if we don't have the Spirit of God breathe on what we are doing. We need the power and the presence of God to anoint us. That's why we've got to have the Spirit of God go with us to the musical instrument or go with us to the classroom or go with us to the pulpit or go with us to the home Bible study. It can't just be an exchange of, of intellect. It can't just be someone trying to out-talk the other person. We need the Spirit of the Lord to breathe on us Hallelujah, the breath of God. That's what's going to change the trajectory of what we're doing. That's what's going to change the outcome of what we're doing. We've got to have the spirit of the Lord. Amen. So we can't outwit God. We need to bring all of our intelligence that we can to the table. All that we can possibly bring to the, to the table, we need to bring that, but not that alone. We need to bring our best foot forward, and we need to, we need to do everything we can to present the gospel in a fashion of which it is deserving to be the best, well thought out. Man, you don't want somebody just to get up here and open the Bible and put their finger on the scripture and try to rattle away for the next 30 or 40 minutes. We want to think that somebody took the time to pray over that word and put something together and rightly divide the word of God. Man, we want to believe that somebody has taken the time not to just learn, uh, commit to memory the notes of the song or the, or the words of a song, but that we would come with a fresh anointing and say, Holy Spirit, meet us in this place. You promised in your word that if we would come together in your name, you would meet us here. And so we know that you're here because we've assembled. And so now we want to offer up ourselves, our voices and instruments of praise, our bodies, a living sacrifice, giving unto God. The Bible talks about this being our reasonable service. I don't want to downplay whatever you may have had to walk through or wade through to get to service tonight. But the Bible says what we're giving to him, this is our reasonable service. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that the hand of God reached down and found you and I in our sin and in our lostness. I shared the story Sunday. I'm thankful that somebody loved us in our lostness, aren't you? Aren't you thankful that the Lord loved us in our lostness? Amen. I don't want to think that I can just do the work of God without the help of God, the Spirit of God. We can't do it with might. It's not by might nor by power. It's by my Spirit saith the Lord. And so we can't do it with just mankind's wisdom or strength or our own resources. The Bible talks about a man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. He was a man that tried to he was a man that tried to do things just by the sheer weight of influence. Daniel 4 talks about Nebuchadnezzar who had a dream. He dreamed about a tree that grew to a sky, into the sky. And it was a powerful scene. It was a very rich and wealthy scene. And all the beasts of the field, the Bible talks about, found shade beneath the tree. But then the scripture says, but that tree, that tree that was so tall reached to the sky, that tree that could cast such a large platform, a footprint of shade, that tree that could hold so many animals in its limbs, the Bible says was cut down. And the interpretation was that the tree would soon be cut down. And in the end, whenever Nebuchadnezzar heard this dream or the interpretation of this dream, and he realized that influence is not going to be enough 
and my name is not going to be enough. And my power is not going to be enough. But it can all be cut down and it can all vanish in just a moment. The Bible talks about this very sad, I might even talk about and even refer to it as a dark journey that Nebuchadnezzar went on. We may call it today or say in our own vernacular that he had a nervous breakdown. Whatever the case may be, amen, the end result was Nebuchadnezzar was realizing, I can't order my own steps. I, I'm, I may be something in the eyes of man, but I'm nothing in the eyes of God. And whatever I am today, this large tree that can cast a shadow and that can carry and hold many things, it can all be cut down. And the, and the, the, uh, the prophecy was that it not only could be cut down, but it was going to be cut down and then the face of all that Nebuchadnezzar knew as an ordinary and a common day coming to a screeching halt it was more than he could bear and the Bible says in Daniel chapter 4 and verse number 30 and the king spake and said is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty while the word was in the king's mouth, while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. Hear me today. Amen. While the king was used to and, and, and very accustomed stretching out his scepter and his word was the end result, Brother Williams. His word was the end all and the tell all. His word was, was everything. The king said, is not this great Babylon that I, amen, I built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. The Bible says that while these words were yet in his mouth, a voice came from heaven and said, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. Amen. At that moment, the kingdom, what you think you have built, what you think you have accomplished, everything you think you can hang your hat on, I'm gonna show you that it can all come to an end. I say, Lord, help us today. Amen. Thank you for everything you've ever given us. Thank you for every gift that you've blessed us individually or our family or our church with. But I want to live with this reality that it could all come to nothing in a moment of time. The day that we walk through these doors and think, God, we've got this. Amen. Look at the building that we built and, and look at the empire that we have and look at the organization that we have. And this is what we do and this is what we give and this is how we function. The Bible says the Lord stepped in while those words were in his mouth and said this day, this day, it'll be taken from you. And in verse 33, the Bible says in the same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. This was no, God wasn't bluffing. God wasn't bluffing. Amen. The Bible says the same hour was this thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar and he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagles feathers and his nails like birds claws he meant oh when you think about just a few verses ago Nebuchadnezzar on the throne amen when you think about the palm the palm the pomp and the circumstance of his life amen but when you look at verse number 33 there's nothing kingly about this verse there's nothing that, that even looks like royalty in this verse. He's a long way from the throne and a long way from influence and a long way from his riches. There were no servants nearby. There was no one at his beck and call. 
This looks like the worst thing that could possibly happen to the king. However, the scripture says that we're not looking here at the final chapter of his life. This is not the last part of his story. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the mercy of God? God gave him room to repent. And the king repented and turned back to God for the sake of time. I'm going to summarize this verses 34 through 37. The Bible says that at the end of days I lifted up mine eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. He had lost his mind. Amen. My understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and I praised and honored him that liveth forever. I realized when my Fingernails were grown out like bird claws. Amen. When I was out in the field eating like an animal, I realized that it was God that sets men up. And it's God that takes men down. Hallelujah. I realized that I can't do this without God. I, I realized that there's not a, I don't have enough power. I don't have enough authority. I don't have enough talent or ability. Amen. The Bible said that he lifted up his eyes, his understanding returned, and he praised God. And the Bible says in verse 36, at that same time, my reason returned unto me. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. That's what Isaiah said. My reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and the brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in the kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Verse 37, the Bible says, Now Nebuchadnezzar praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose word are truth and his ways are judgment. Amen. And listen carefully to the last portion of verse 37. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Those who walk in their own strength, God is able with just one tug, of just one thread, one corner of the fabric of our lives. God could pull that thread and bring everything down. Amen. Nebuchadnezzar realized this is a madman in a field. I would like to come to that reality far before I get there. I don't ever want to look around and say, look what we've done. No, no. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. The spirit, the power, the presence of God that moves in our lives. I would dare say that Many, if not most of us in this house tonight would have never dreamed that we would have lived to be as blessed as we are. Amen. Blessed. Are there gaps in our lives? Are there voids? Are there some unfulfilled promises and dreams? I would dare say yes. But when we look around at the blessings of God and we realize that they are just that, the blessings of God. Who would have ever dreamed that God could take our lives and turn them and use them for his glory? Amen. I'm not boasting in us tonight. I'm boasting in him. Who would have dreamed? If you just roll the reel back of your life, I don't know how many years you find it necessary to go back, but ever how many years you go back and realize where you were then and where God has brought you now. 
Amen. We think about where God has brought us from and, and the wonderful things he has brought into our lives and the people and the voices that, that the Spirit of God, and it was nothing but God. It was not our own shrewdness. It was not us jockeying for position. It was not us putting ourselves anywhere, but it was us yielding ourselves to his will and saying, Lord, whatever you would have me do, that's what I'm willing to do. Amen. That 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 uh, that piece on a checkerboard, if you please, or on a chessboard, if you please, that that God was just strategically placing, and we look back over our lives, and we realize that when we were here, it was only because God was trying to take us there. And while we were there, it was not the end of the story. God was just trying to take us to another place, and so strategically and ever so gently, the hand of God and the will of God moved us from place to place until we are where we are this evening and I am not suggesting that we are at the end of the road or we have achieved or that we have arrived but I will tell you that we are where we are tonight only because God is getting us ready to take the next step, the next move and so I say Lord whatever you would have me be wherever you would have me go whatever you want to do with me Lord here's my hands, here's my feet here's my voice, here's whatever I can offer you, I want to give you my all I want to give you my very best not something left over. Amen. 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 But give God our very best. I want to ask our musicians to come. David, David was a very gifted leader, anointed of God as a very young man, a man after God's own heart. But there were times that David tried to use the power of his own Influence and manipulation to try to work his way out of circumstances he found himself in. Perhaps one of the greatest stains on his life was found in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12 when he tried to cover up a mistake of not going to the battle when the king should have been in battle and covering up his sin with Bathsheba. And he thought it was all going to be okay. I've got all of this taken care of. I've got her husband dead and I'll marry her and everything's just going to be all right. But the Bible says in Numbers 32 and 23, be sure your sins will find you out. Be sure. <laughs> I remember, oh, it's been many, many years ago now, hearing an uh, elder pastor talk about out somewhere in town and he saw some young person's vehicle in a place of business they didn't have any place being in and, and so he just pulled in and he just wrote a little note be sure your sins will find you out and signed his name put it under the windshield wiper I think I would have just kept driving <laughs> be sure your sins will find you out David it, it can't end this way and so Nathan approaches him, and and we know the many know the sentence of David. It's, it's going to happen to you fourfold, and it did. Not in a moment, not in a vacuum, but little by little, David had a debt he had to pay because he thought I can do this without God. Jonah tried to outrun the Lord and. He was going to send him to Nineveh, but he thought, well, I'll go somewhere else instead. But the Lord knew better. Sin took him a long way. 
And here's, here's the summary of it all. It's back to Jeremiah 10, 23. Oh, Lord, I know that, thy way, that, the, that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. It's just not in us. It's not there. You know, I can say this from a minister's point of view, and, and uh, I'm sure anybody in any level of leadership can say this. There have just been times I felt like the Lord just kind of stepped to the side. Let me preach a sermon by myself. Just kind of see what it feels like. Any singers here ever sang by yourself? You kind of get to feeling fancy when you're singing. Everybody's moving. I've sang a few songs where nobody moved. I've preached a few sermons, more than a few, <laughs> where nobody moved. I think the Lord can just step to the side and let us feel what this really feels like without him. And in those moments, it's very humbling. And we can say, Lord, don't ever leave me. And so we find ourselves back to where really it all begins. I'll ask you to stand. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people which are called by my name. My people, my name, shall humble themselves. And pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. You know, I'm sure it's been said many times in many different ways. But don't you think it's really odd that the Lord is talking about his people having to humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways? But it's true that sometimes we feel that we can do this ourselves. But we need the breath of God. We need the Spirit of God to impart itself on what we're doing amen so as a church I believe that we have to not rely on our own strength we began this evening in Genesis 1:26, the creation of man but what really made man different was when God breathed on it breathed on it Job 38 and two, 32 rather and 8 says but it is the spirit in man and the breath of the almighty gives them understanding and then the next chapter, Job 33 and 4, the Spirit of God was, has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. It's not what we do. It's what we offer under God and allow Him to consume the sacrifice. Praise God. I wonder if we could just magnify the Lord in this song tonight and let this song be our prayer. Let it be a commitment to each and every one of us. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.